Beggar's Banquet by Ian Rankin I started off life as a short story writer. Actually, that's not strictly true. I started as a comic book writer, drawing stickmen cartoons with speech bubbles. I was about seven or eight and would fold sheets of plain paper until I had a little booklet. Then I'd draw my stickmen. They would appear in strips about football, war, outer space, until it was pointed out to me that I couldn't really draw. A potentially glorious career nipped in the bud. It didn't really bother me. By now I was ten or eleven and starting to listen to music. But being an obsessive sort of kid, it wasn't enough just to listen. Same as I'd never been just happy as a reader of comics. I did what any sensible person would do. Started a band. Problem was, none of my friends shared my interest. It didn't help that I couldn't read music or play an instrument. I didn't need to. The music could be stored in my head. The lyrics written down. So I invented a bubblegum pop group called the Amoebas, whose roster included Ian Caput on vocals, Zed Killer Macintosh on bass, and Blue Lightning on guitar. I recall the drummer had a double-barreled name, but forget what it was. By writing lyrics for this band, I found myself writing poetry. Doggerel, admittedly, but poetry all the same, in that the lyrics scanned and had a rhyme scheme. It wasn't such a leap, therefore, to write my first proper poem, at around the age of 16. The Amoebas were still around then, incidentally, but had shifted from pop to progressive rock. The thing about my poems was, they told stories. They were about people going to places and the consequences of their actions. I think that's why I started writing short stories. I wrote several while still at school, aided by an English teacher called Mr Gillespie, who seemed to think I had something. At that time, in our English class, we were given topics and had to construct a weekly short story. In one instance, Mr Gillespie gave us the phrase, Dark they were and golden-eyed. The rest was up to us. My contribution concerned worried parents searching a busy squat for their drug-addict son. A lot of my stories were in this vein, so to speak. At home, I wrote about kids running away from their small-town existences, only to end up committing suicide in London. One longer story took place in my own school, where a poster of Mick Jagger took on devilish powers and persuaded the kids to go on a rampage. Influenced by Lord of the Flies? Maybe more than a smidge. At university, I wrote poems and short stories both. My first proper short story, about a shipyard closure, came second in a national competition. My next, based on a real family event, won another prize. The first story of mine to appear in a collection was called An Afternoon. It was about a seasoned copper patrolling a Hibernian football match. It wasn't good enough for the collection you're about to listen to, so don't bother looking. The stories collected here span a decade or more. Some first appeared on radio, others in American magazines. They comprise my first short story collection since 1992's A Good Hanging. Not all of them are rebus stories. There's a good reason for this. I tend to write short stories in between books, as a way of getting the inspector out of my system for a while. This was certainly true of A Deep Hole, featured here in one of the collection's most successful stories, in that it won a dagger for Best Story of the Year, and was also shortlisted for the prestigious Antony Award. 
The really curious thing about a deep hole is that it started life set entirely in Edinburgh. Then an editor called and asked if I had anything set in London for a book he was compiling. I tweaked a deep hole and sent it off. Not a bad move as it turned out. This is the beauty of the short story. All you need is a single good idea. No convolutions or subplots. Well, not many. Not as many as in a novel, certainly. Stories are also good ways of experimenting with narrative voice, structure and methods of economy. I've managed to whittle stories down from 800 words to 200. A struggle, but useful in that I came to learn just how much it is possible to leave out. There's no place for fat on a story. It has to be lean and fit. Principles of Accounts began as a treatment for a TV drama which never came to be. Strangest of all, perhaps, is the only true comedian, which began as a monologue for radio, eventually changed out of all recognition.